a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 24, The Last One. For we are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday. No, it's just one week. Please stop. The last one premiering December 31st, 2003, and this is it. This is the last episode of season two. This is the last episode of 2003. In fact, the working title on this episode was, quote, the last fucking one for 2003, end quote. That's what I guess they originally wanted to call it as per the commentary. But yeah, the last one closing out season two, the longest season of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And this one is so fun because they bring in just all these villains from the first two seasons of the show. All these classic villains interacting. It's just such a great time. This is just one of those classic episodes. And I'm excited to go through it. Our last episode of season two. I can't believe we're already here. And I can't wait to see what the last one has in store for us. But until then, I have one piece of housekeeping. One piece of a a bit of a correction here from our Matt Malero interview I assumed when Matt said that they were making five new Aqua Teens that he meant films, but it is now looking to be episodes from what I'm hearing from other people involved in the show. So still, you know, there's no official confirmation, but because Matt and I were talking about Aqua Teen films, I really thought he meant there was five new Aqua Teen films coming when he said they're making five new Aqua Teens. But again, I, I assume he meant episodes there. That would make more sense than five movies off the bat. So just wanted to correct myself here because I try and always uh, report accurately on the podcast. So again, apologies there. And of course, going forward, I will keep you updated on any more things that I hear. But again, it's looking to be five more episodes and not films. That's all I'm kind of hearing at the moment. But all right, that's it for our housekeeping this week. Moving on, we've got some community stuff. We've got two voice messages that I'm very, very excited to play, very excited to to share for you. I've been saving these for this episode because, you know, I like to play these during deep dives and it's been a hot minute since we've done a deep dive. So Jay Rain, also known online as Mekuyashima, hopefully I pronounced that somewhat close to correctly, they left us a voice message here. We've got an Aqua Teen origin story. Buckle in, folks, because these, these are my favorite. Let's see how Jay Rain got into Aqua Teen. Hello, Aqua Teen Pod. I'm Jay, and I'd like to tell my story on how I got to watch and ended up loving this amazing show. When I was five years old, Adult Swim first aired in my country, and my father and I would watch it every weekend, including Acting Hung Force. But Adult Swim didn't do so well here, so it was canceled some years later and began airing in other channels. Six years later, when I was 12, I remembered Aquatine existed and tried to look up for some episodes to watch, but I couldn't get them anywhere. Until nine more years later, when HBO Max was launched here in Latin America in July 2021. That was when Aquatine and I crossed paths again to stay together from then on. Surprisingly, I fell insanely in love with Carl, and I mean our Carl, and I even made a self-insert for Aquatine called Sulem, who is Carl's girlfriend. I have some art of her in my Instagram account, and everyone who meets her seems to like her instantly. None of my other OCs have that effect. 
I absolutely loved the plant as a movie. I also loved every new character. Everything about it was truly fantastic and I really can't stop watching it. And I'm, and I'm also waiting for that sequel. I hope you liked my story. Your podcast is amazing and I hope to catch up on it during the holiday break as I'll be up from college. Bye. Jay, thank you so much for your Aqua Teen origin story. It's always so just intriguing to me to hear Aqua Teen fans from, from other countries and like how they found the show, how the show resonated with them. I have to wonder, was the show subbed? Was it dubbed? Uh, regardless, I think the bigger point here, the more interesting thing is the fact that Jay could fall in love with Adult Swim and then it could be ripped away from her, you know, for, for so long until, you know, all this Adult Swim stuff showed up on HBO Max and, and she's able to watch it again. It's just crazy to me. You know, we here in the States are spoiled. Adult Swim never went away. It's always been a thing. And Aqua Teen, I'm sure throughout the past two decades, there's it's always on at least once a week. You can catch it. Uh, but yeah, luckily now with, you know, streaming being what it is, Hopefully people all over the world can watch the show. I don't know what HBO Max looks like in every country, obviously, because it does vary on a country by country basis. But, I, I, you know, I'm glad Jay could get it back in her life. Yeah, just, you know, thank you for listening, of course. Thank you for sharing your story. And I'm glad you could see Plantasm. I, I'm glad you loved it. And going forward, I hope all future Aqua Teen content is available to people all over the world and not, you know, locked like it has been for so long. Next up, the homie Shinsuke is hitting us back up. And, you know, we just had a, a, an Aqua Teen origin story. Now we have a favorite episode story. Let's check it out. Hey, guys, this is Shinsuke with a laptop again. Sorry if I sound kind of wonky because I'm kind of yelling into my crappy mic right now. But uh, hopefully uh, this will be up by the time the last one, the episode for the last one comes out because that is my favorite episode of all time. I just I love everything about it. Just the fact that it's like a big villain ensemble cast, but it's so offbeat and off the wall because all these characters are so wacky and none of them can be taken seriously. It's it's just amazing. I, I love it. Uh, and y'all know this is technically a Muda Knight centric episode because they are quote unquote hosting it. And y'all know that's always that's always fantastic for me, the resident uh, number one fan of the Muda Knights. But just everything about this episode is so funny. Just all these characters and all these voices and wacky personalities it really comes to show how great this show is written. We're like only two seasons of like pretty much nothing characters, just these one-off wacky bits. And yet they work so well and the teens don't show up until the very end. So it's just it's just so enjoyable. Like, I watched this episode like 50 times in total up to this day and I'm going to watch it 50 more times in the future because I love it. Shinsuke, don't worry. You're yelling into your microphone. I'm yelling into my microphone. It's that's that's the business. That's that's the name of the game. Uh, so Shinsuke here sharing with us that their favorite episode of Aqua Teen is the last one. And look, somebody comes up to me on the street and they say my favorite episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force is the last one. You know what? I'm not arguing with them because it's a great episode. I love this episode so much. I don't again. I don't know how anybody could not love this episode. It's a solid, solid choice for a favorite episode. And beyond that, I don't know how much more I want to say in regards to what Shinsuke sent, because we'll be talking about that episode for basically the remainder of this podcast episode. So I'll be touching up on a few more notes. But thank you for sharing this with us, Shinsuke. I love hearing uh, what people's favorite episodes are as well. And I'm glad we're finally getting to your favorites. But all right, that's it for our housekeeping, our community stuff. Let's jump over and see what the heck was going on the week that the last one premiered.
We already talked about it. I don't know what you want me to say. If you haven't listened to the cloning, go listen to the cloning because that one premiered the same night as this episode. So we talk all about pop culture there. And then between all these new William Street shows, there was a series of bumps called Bashington's New Year's Eve Party. That is basically an episode featuring all these William Street characters and heavily featuring the Aqua Teens. It's basically an Aqua Teen episode with Brack and George Lowe in it. So just go listen to that coverage. So we also talk about the Adult Swim lineup that night. So again, we've talked about all of this, this whole segment I normally do about the pop culture, the Adult Swim lineup. We've done it. So go listen to those if you want that information. We're not going to talk about it here. Let's go. Let's talk about the last one. Look, I get it. Christmas is coming up. Holidays are coming up. It comes up quick. Maybe you didn't have enough time to get all the gifts you needed for all of your loved ones. I'm here to tell you, you're not the only one. I'm, I'm in a similar situation, but fear not because I've got the place for you. Little Falls Trophy and Engraving Incorporated, they've got you covered for all your custom trophy needs. Located in one convenient location, head on down to 555 Route 46 East Little Falls, New Jersey, and use discount code Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for 5% off your next participation trophy order. But the deals don't stop there. You have until December 24th, that's right, the day before Christmas, all of their monster trophies are 15% off. That's an extra 15% off if you use discount code Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Remember, one week only. Little Falls Trophy and Engraving Incorporated. Slaves not included. Gotta pass those trophies out yourself. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful Moonmasters over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden. These absolute units are supporting monthly to keep this silly podcast going and coming on board into the Moonmaster mix at the duffel bag of cash tier. We have Campbell. Campbell, thank you so much for joining and also apologies because Campbell joined a while ago, but we haven't done a deep dive since then and I like to do these during the deep dive. So Campbell, glad to have you on board. I hope you are enjoying all the exclusive content over there. And in case you're unfamiliar with Patreon, you subscribe at a certain tier and at the $5 and up a month tier, you get access to all sorts of, you know, exclusive episodes there. And the way it works is you get a custom RSS feed. You can put it into whatever podcast app you use, except for Spotify. Blame Spotify, not Patreon. They don't support RSS feeds for whatever reason. You plug it into your podcast app and you listen to it there like any other podcast. And if you are on Spotify, no worries. You can listen on the Patreon app and at patreon.com or download them suckers and just listen to them however else you want to. Campbell, you're a beast, and I hope all that exclusive content is rocking you like a hurricane. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The last one premiering December 31st, 2003, with a TV 14V rating for violence, which makes sense because a lot of the villains in this episode end up dying. Spoiler alert. But also there is kind of a, a somewhat sexual scene too with the with the frat aliens that I could see that contributing to the uh to the 14 rating on this one. So so moving on from that, you know, lots of guest voice actors here. I'm not going to list all of them now. We'll talk a little bit about them as we get to them throughout the episode. But of course, we have talked about all these guys on the podcast because uh, they've already, you know, these characters have been in, in Aqua Teen. There are no new characters in this episode, but there are a lot, an ass load of returning characters. 
Something interesting about this episode is it actually, it doesn't really have a cold open. There is no Dr. Weird opening here, but also it does not play the theme song. It cuts right into the episode. So this, this being the longest Aqua Teen episode up until this point, and just one of the longest Aqua Teen episodes ever because of that, because there is no, you know, one minute intro, th intro theme song. It cuts right to the episode, which is very cool. So we've got a little bit more to talk about today than, than normally, because I always just cut the theme song out, as you know. But let's take a step back here, okay? Because there's no Dr. Weird opening here, but this one is almost like an extension of the cloning to, to a certain extent, uh, particularly involving the Dr. Weird skit. Because in that skit, they are saying, sorry, we can't come to your ice cream social, to the Moon and Nights. Well, turns out, Dr. Weird and Steve, they were being invited to this summit of villains. That's what that was about, because as we cut into the episode soon, we will hear that all of the villains there, they all got different invitations, and, and the invitations were seemingly tailored to each individual villain to try and get them to come to this. So that was really the Moon Knights inviting Dr. Weird and Steve, but Dr. Weird and Steve, they had become one they were unable to attend. And I know there are some people who take gripe with that. You know, they might still love this episode, but they say, hey, how can you have all the villains but no Dr. Weird and Steve? Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, pretty high concept here that the previous episode's cold open, which of course these episodes aired the same night, so this was intentional, that previous episode's cold open was really a, uh, you know, a tie into this one. So this one doesn't have a Dr. Weird cold open, but in a way it kind of does. Now, an episode this big with all this voice talent, you may be wondering, how did that happen? How could they afford that? I asked Matt about this. Let's hear what he has to say. I think we uh, ended up just having an excess amount of money left over from not spending so much during the season. <laughs> there you go. That explains how they could afford the 13 plus voice actors on this 11 minute episode that is, you know, unheard of for any other episode, which is shocking, man. Like if they had all this money left over for the season, this was a big season, 24 episodes. That's incredible that they were able to save that much. But also, you know, a show like Aqua Teen. These editors are really good. These animators are really good. They really know how to work quickly, cheaply, and it makes sense. They had, you know, a little little extra money in the coffers here to pull off just one of the coolest Aqua Teen episodes ever. And according to the commentary, it took about a month to gather everyone up to do the voices for this episode. And a tie-in to Bashington's New Year's Eve, of course, the bumps that played between all these episodes on this night, we had all the William Street characters coming together. Well, this episode is similar to that because we have all these villains coming together and interacting, villains we never saw interact before. We get to see all their, you know, comedic styles and stuff and stuff play together. Very, very, very fun. Let's jump into it here. Okay, so first of all, of course, we've already talked about these characters, so I'm not really going to explain them visually. You know what they look like. So we open in on what is like a fake out. We think we're going to get a Dr. Weird intro like we always do. But then it very quickly cuts away up into the sky to the moon. We zoom in on the moon and we see this giant glass dome on the moon. And there's a sign out front. It says convention center and it says welcome villains. But the E, the first E in welcome is missing. And the both like the letters that are on this letter board, they're a mix of red and black. So this looks kind of cheaply put together here. But we see just all these Aqua Teen villains standing around. And then we see a stage is set up. And then uh, a banner inside that says, welcome villains. Welcome is spelled like how you would expect it to be, you know, uppercase W. 
Everything else is lowercase, but then villains is all in caps. So we're on the moon here. It's really funny. This just this uh, this center here. It's just so absurd that there's this convention center on the moon. There's a little parking lot outside and stuff. But yeah, we see that really quickly, and then we cut inside and we see our first pair of villains. We have Major Shake, played by the legendary Matt Harrigan talking to the rabbit, the very first Aqua Teen villain. I guess if you don't want to count Dr. Weird, we see the rabbit here and they are having a conversation, but you know, it's, it's a pretty one-sided conversation as you would expect. How did, uh, how did you get here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. I came across 190th and I came up to 110. This is, uh, this is asinine. <laughs> Major shake realizing mid-conversation, like, this isn't going anywhere. This is just a robot that can only say one thing. Uh, so we think. But, um, onto the voice of the Rabot. I don't remember exactly what I said in the Rabot episode. I feel like I said it was like a text-to-speech generator, and I guess ultimately it is. But I later found out that they got the voice for the robot from a special effects package. So this was, yeah, meant to be like a robot's voice or something, and they threw it in. So they didn't type out really what it said, to my knowledge. They just kind of had this, this audio that they bought, and this was included in that. So that's how the robot got his voice. Back to what Major Shake said, though. He said he came across the 190th, then the 110. I tried kind of looking that up, but it's so vague, I couldn't really find anything. I was like, are these roads in Atlanta? Maybe that's what he's referencing, but I couldn't really figure anything out, unfortunately. But of course, just funny that he's talking about a highway system when it's like, these characters came from the Earth, really, to the moon, so it doesn't make any sense, like, that's how he's talking about it. Or these are supposed to be moon roads, who knows? I mean, we did see Major Shake in the Bad Replicant episode, he was born in space, basically. I mean, he was created by the Plutonians in a spaceship. So him being here isn't so crazy. But some of these other characters being here, you know, so, some of them aren't crazy at all because they are literally aliens. But then other ones, for example, you know, we'll see Happy Time Harry. It's like really funny. It's like he's a doll. How did he get up here? Anyways, moving on, we have a very short clip here. We have the Wisdom Cube as played by John Schnepp. I guess I should say he, he's the dumbass Ahedotron. That's what he is, played by John Schnepp. And he's going to be talking to the Brownie Monsters from the third episode of Aqua Teen, Bus of the Undead. You know, we saw them very briefly at the end, and they are going to be here at this, at this meeting of villains. Hey, Brownie Monsters. <laughs> you guys are weird. There it is. Again, a short clip. And John Schnepp. As Matt Malero told us recently, he is responsible for some of the backgrounds in the Rabot episode. I assume the 3D backgrounds, like, you know, like their house looks a little different, all that stuff. I assume that's coming from John Schnepp. And again, I'm fighting my impulse here to tell you more about these guys. Uh, just go listen to their respective episodes if you want to hear uh, more information on on who these voice actors are. John Schnepp, you know, he was pretty big in production stuff. He, he did a lot of stuff on Space Ghost. He did a lot of stuff on Metalocalypse and, and a billion other shows. So I'll leave that there. Let's keep moving on. Something I forgot to mention was, yeah, this is basically an auditorium. So the floors look like a, a gym floor, which is, I don't know why. I really like that. Um, so now we're going to cut over. We're going to see a big group of characters now. We're going to see the frat aliens, DP and Skeeter, of course, both played by Patton Oswalt. We're going to see... Bingo, the floating clown head from the clowning. We don't see the styrofoam head here, but we do see Bingo, the clown head. 
who, I mean, he doesn't speak. He just makes a honking noise and we see his text. Again, that's such a cool episode. There's so much like weird lore behind the scenes stuff there. Go check that podcast episode out if you haven't. Uh, I could go on about that forever. But we see we see Bingo here. And then we see Travis of the Cosmos from Super Spore, of course, played by Brooks Brazelman. Brooks gave us a lot of background information on that podcast episode. So, you know, I, uh, the same applies here, I suppose. And he has taken over the mind of Randy the Astonishing from Circus. Randy played by Matt Malero, although when we hear his voice here, it will be Brooks Brazelman. So we have Travis using Randy as a means to communicate with other people. You know, like his his sucker thing is going into Randy's brain. His head is all infected, just like Shake's you know, head was. And then, and then Randy's eyes are rolled back in his head, just like Shake's were as well. Something new here, though, about Travis is he's wearing one of those, I don't know if it's supposed to be like puka shells, one of those necklaces that the frat aliens are wearing. So he seems to have rushed their fraternity, which is great. And then we see Happy Time Harry. They'll be goading him on to drink. He will be just drinking this keg completely by himself and they'll get into that a little bit but some of the background details we see some folding chairs in the background and we see some food by the keg you know this keg is supposed to be for everybody happy time harry he's gonna drink it all himself because he's an alcoholic but up on the table we see some red punch we see paper plates red solo cups uh that's really all i can make out but some other food items too that are uh, not as you know i can't figure out what they are but they're there this seems to be a pretty competently put together event i'm actually shocked for how incompetent this group is. Not only that we've seen them be incompetent, but we will see in this episode how incompetent these villains are. But somehow they were able to put together this this decent enough looking event. You know, I talked about in a community jiggle, my high school reunion got canceled. Not enough people wanted to come. So at least the Moonanites, as we will see, at least they were able to put together an event here with food, with a location. It's It's harder than it sounds. Anyways, let's jump in here. Let's hear all these guys, you know, cheering on Happy Time Harry as he chugs on this keg. And again, you will hear Bingo doing his honking and we will just see some text on the screen when we close up on him that just says drink, 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 drink. That's it for this one. He floated it by himself! What else you got? Dude, my dad bought me that keg. My dad <laughs> owns a dealership. His dad owns dealership. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, my dad bought me this magic talking knife. Who? What did it say? What knife is say? <laughs> that is Happy Time Harry stabbing Travis of the Cosmos in his top rightmost eye. Remember, he has five eyeballs. And yeah, he seemed to be uh, hanging out with the frat aliens because he backs up. He backs up DP saying his dad owns a dealership. And then Happy Time Harry doesn't give a shit. He stabs Travis in the eye. And yeah, that keg was supposed to be for everyone. But but uh, but Happy Time Harry was no problem for him. He downed the whole thing by himself. So upon getting stabbed in the eye, Travis of the Cosmos retracted its, I don't know, its, its link thing into itself. So, so now Randy the Astonishing, he is no longer controlled by Travis. He has his own free will, although he doesn't, you know, he's not going to know where he is or what's going on, as we saw in Super Spore with Shake. Anyways, though, that is the first death we are going to see of these villains. I guess Travis just dies here from getting stabbed in the eye because we don't see him again for the rest of the episode. I don't suspect he would die from this, but also he's an alien creature. So I guess what do I know about that? I don't know nothing. I'm not the guy to ask. So moving on here, we're going to have, you know, a couple things going on in our next short clip. 
we have DP, or sorry, rather we have Skeeter pushing DP away because DP wants to fight Happy Time Harry for drinking the entire keg. That was for everybody, you know? And which is weird that he's like so angry about this because he was he was telling Happy Time Harry to drink, right? He was joining in on the drink, drink, drink. So why can he be mad that Happy Time Harry did what he wanted him to do? Regardless, Skeeter's going to push DP away. Of course, that is not the last time we will see these guys here. He's going to push him away, avoid a fight. Then we're going to have Randy the Astonishing played now by Matt Malero asking Bingo if he can notice the hole in his head, the giant and disgusting infection. I need to mention too, Randy the Astonishing, he is completely like in his nude state. The way we saw him at the end of Circus, he's not wearing his ringleader outfit or his trench coat. He's just nude here. I guess Travis of the Cosmos didn't care to, to give him any sort of clothing. Although if he's freely an alien here, I guess it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, we're going to get, of course, some text from Bingo because he doesn't actually speak. So I'll tell you what he says real quick. So uh, the way this scene plays out, we have Randy the Astonishing asking Bingo, you know, about the hole in the back of his head. Bingo will then say, try this. It will turn you into a frozen clown. But, you know, Randy can't understand him. It's just honking noises. He's going to put the, the wig from the clowning onto Randy the Astonishing. So then Randy's all happy. And then Bingo says, you have no idea what I'm saying, do you, dumbass? And then again, Bingo will just say, you're a dumbass, as, as Randy walks off. And we will pick up on that later. Until then, let's jump in. Dude, walk away, dude. It's not worth it. Is there a hole back here? Is, is this noticeable? Oh, yeah. This is great. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm going to look so cool. Again, that is Bingo saying, you're a dumbass, as, as Randy's walking away. Like, this will look so cool. The way the wig gets put on Randy is great because bingo, he's just a floating head. Literally, the wig just falls from the sky right onto Randy's head. That's how that works. It's always so fun to see how these animators deal with such limited like animation, really, like what they're given here, like what they kind of have to do, these, these fun little workarounds. And onto the animation really quickly. They talk a bit. There is a commentary track here, and there's also a script. So we will, of course, be referencing both of those throughout this. And in the commentary... J. Wade Edwards says, this was one of the most challenging episodes to work on. They had to make sure that basically that all the characters work, but it came together without too many hitches, although they did have to rescan the Rabot character for this episode. Now, I'm a dummy and I forgot to kind of be double checking with the script because you have to realize there's kind of a lot of extra content for this episode. Again, we have the commentary track. But then we have the script, but also the script, like the, the audio over the script special feature is different than the script itself, which is different than what ended up in the episode. There's all sorts of different variations on this episode. So I don't want to bog us down too much with differences, but something that I failed to mention was at the beginning in the audio of the script, at least we had Major Shake talking to the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. But on the page itself, we actually open with old drippy talking to the rabbit. So you'll kind of hear how they move all this around throughout the episode. So, all right, back to our episode, though. Randy the Astonishing, he's going to wander off with his new do, his new wig. And we're going to see another group of characters. We have Romulox from PDA, played by my favorite comedian, Todd Berry. And we see Oog from Supercomputer, played by John Glazer, standing next to Moth Monster Man, of course, played by H. John Benjamin. So all these guys... They're, they're buddies. They all know each other, and it's fun to hear them share a scene here. And they all looked exactly how they did in their main episodes, except for Romulox. This time, he's still wearing the original yellows. He still has his little French mustache and his, his earrings. 
but he's wearing otherwise the same outfit as Oog. He's wearing the the kind of yellowish underwear with a bungee cord holding them up, and he is holding his own Oogie McTah, however you want to pronounce it there. He's holding that as well, but it's funny because he's not like, like his hand is behind it because I guess they just didn't have a way for him to hold something with his hand being in front of it like it would actually be, you know, in front of a camera. Uh, the supercomputer is just floating like in front of his hand, it looks like. But yeah, that's who's standing here talking. And then our friend Old Drippy, he's going to drip right on up there holding a uh, a pan of lemon squares. And then he's holding a, a card that says baby shower, revealing what his invitation looked like. I bought a house in Belize. Oh, me always want go there. For, like, dirt cheap. Belize is a very expensive city, actually. It's a country. (laughs) Excuse me, is is this the baby shower? I made lemon squares. Mine says sweaters all you can eat. I was in the future. It was too late to RSVP. (laughs) So we saw that cybernetic ghost. He was standing on the opposite side of Moth Monster Man. That's why you hear him at the end. But Moth Monster Man revealing that his invitation said free sweaters, all you can eat. We see on his card is a sweater. And then with Old Drippy, his baby shower card is very cartoony. It's written in blue, baby shower, really, you know, cutesy font, a little teddy bear, little little pink socks on the front, little balloons and stuff. Really, really cute here. And in the original script, at least the reading of it, they allude to Rabot getting an invitation that says disco party. That's why he showed up. But yeah, we have some conversation about Belize, which is, of course, a country, not a city. Romulok's getting it wrong, although Belize City is a city. Maybe that's what he was referring to, although I don't suspect that it's a particularly expensive city to live in. If I could speak to Belize really quickly, because it's one of the few countries I have been to outside of the United States, it's a beautiful country. The people there are just so kind, so friendly. I mean, the country, it basically depends on tourism. So everyone, you know, like they kind of make it a point to be to be kind. And I don't I don't just mean the people in the resorts and stuff like that. Just for context, Belize, it's it's just below Mexico. And it's kind of interesting because it's a Central American country. So, you know, there's some of that influence there, but it's also a Caribbean country. So you kind of have the best of both worlds. Also, for me, as someone from the U.S., they speak English there and they also will take the U.S. dollar. Like it's it's a it's an accepted form of currency. And the Belizean dollar is actually tied to the US dollar. It's it's twice as much as the US dollar, meaning like let's say something there was two dollars, you would pay just one US dollar for it. So very, very easy to get by as, as somebody from the United States. But what interested me about the country is similar to America, or sorry, the United States, it's a bit of a melting pot of all different ethnicities and races. And one of our drivers who I was talking to when we were leaving the resort, I kind of got to know him a little bit, was chatting with him and I was asking about, you know, is is racism a problem in this country? What are some of the issues that you guys deal with? Because there are just so many different ethnicities living there. And he said, no, not really. It really wasn't. The only issues that he really spoke of were maybe some of the indigenous people there or, or people of indigenous descent who maybe had some ill feelings towards, uh, you know, some other races or, or ethnicities, particularly darker skinned people. That was really the only thing that he could think of off the top of his head. And I really saw that, like the emphasis on on working together and all that, because, you know, the, the country is relatively new. It, Belize itself is about 40 years old at this point. That's when they were granted their independence. Before that, it was a part of the British Empire as British Honduras 
Yeah, it makes sense being a newer country. And there was, you know, when it became a country there, it was like all different races and ethnicities working together to build this country. So you would see that reflected in some of their monuments and such. So yeah, just an awesome place. I, I would love to go back. And contrary to what Romulox was hinting at, I did not find it to be particularly expensive. For example, they have a Coca-Cola plant there and I found their their pop or, or their soda pop, whatever you want to call it, to be about half the price of here for a for a bottle. So, you know, you use that how you will. Interesting thing there is they didn't seem to have Diet Coke. They only had Coke Zero, which I'm fine with. But but my wife wasn't crazy about that. And and going back to uh, a voice message we got earlier from from Jay, she was talking about how in her country, Adult Swim went away. And I was kind of touching on differences between countries. So I have YouTube premium on my phone. They, they suckered me in with the free trial. And once I got it, I'm like, fuck, I can't go back. I can't go back to not using premium because of the ads and stuff. But a really nice feature of YouTube premium that I use more than anything else is the fact that it allows you to turn your phone off. Like, let's say you're listening to a podcast on YouTube, you can turn the phone off and listen. And that's what I use it a lot for. And to go to bed, I'll usually put something on YouTube on and, and go to sleep, right? Well, in Belize, they don't offer YouTube premium for whatever reason. So I couldn't even turn my phone off with a TV show on YouTube on. I couldn't turn my phone off and listen. I had to leave the phone on. It was the dumbest thing in the entire world. Made absolutely no sense. It's not even like a content difference. It's not like, okay, you're going to show me ads here for whatever reason, whatever. I couldn't even turn my phone off and listen. Like, what the fuck is that? But just to give you an example of, of you know, things that we take for granted in the US for whatever reason, people in other countries can't do. It makes no sense. But yeah, Belize, awesome place. I don't really have anything bad to say about it other than one of the small airlines we had to take there. The woman who uh, was taking our tickets was maybe a little rude. Maybe she was just having a bad day, but everyone else was super nice, super friendly. And uh, yeah, check it out if you can. Back to our episode though, Romulox and Oog, they're still going to be standing there and the Wisdom Cube is going to come in. He's going to make some comments. What did you two call each other last night? <laughs> Check that out! Silence. Did you hear me? Alright, so I gotta cut in here. Basically, Romulox just walks off, and then we will go to the Moon and Nights. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about a deleted clip. Well, not really deleted, just something from the original script. Now, of course, like I said, Romulox was dressed up exactly like Oog. He's always trend-chasing. However, in the original script, or at least like the readings through it and stuff, they had a lot more, like they had this whole back and forth between Oog and Romulox that goes on kind of throughout the episode. So let me play you the beginning of that. Poser. Uh, me no know what you mean. Did you two call each other last night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I called him on the telephone from my cave. Oh, hey, me live in cave. You know, Chromax syntax is played out, all right? Repetitive modified inflection through future tense that's what's going on in Europe. <laughs> yeah, shut up and fish. You shut up. You did shut up. Shut up. Tomorrow, tomorrow, you hell of up. Shut Silence. Up. So already you can tell I love Todd Berry more than I could ever say on this podcast. You could tell it's a good idea to cut this and they will continue to go back to this kind of making jokes like this. So yeah, you had Romulox walking up to Oog calling him a poser and then the Wisdom Cube comes in and they kind of get into a little scuffle here. Romulox flexing how much, you know, how, how trendy he is. He's trend chasing over in Europe. But okay, you heard at the end of the last official clip that Ignignoct is going to come in and we're finally going to get into what's actually going on in this episode. All of this up to this point has just been small talk, just been kind of 
you know, playing around with these various characters. Now we're going to get some semblance of a plot going here and figure out why all of these villains are here. Ignignoct and Ur, they're going to try and calm the room and get the room's attention so they can begin this meeting. Silence, everyone, please. You heard the man, shut up! Ignignort, what's up? We need complete <laughs> silence so your digital ruler can approach us. Look at him and behold it. So that's the Moon Knights up on the stage that I mentioned at the beginning, and then all the villains are just standing, you know, out on the gym floor, out in the auditorium, you know, just standing there looking up at them. And Ignignox is initially holding a microphone, then he does a mic drop, and he walks up to the podium. And something worth talking about really quickly, because we get some crowd shots of all the villains standing there. We see Randy the Astonishing, and he is frozen, you know, encased in ice, and he, he has started to turn into a clown a little bit. He's holding the clown honker, and there's some spots over his body similar to what happened in the clowning episode. And of course, in that podcast episode, we went over like, at the very end, Steve, the same thing happens to him. And it's like, it doesn't make sense because Frylock is the one who froze Carl initially. So why was Steve frozen? Now it's like, why is Randy frozen? Frylock was the one that did that to Carl. It's not like it just happened because he was a clown. So very funny. Maybe Frylock dipped in there and, and froze Randy, but you know, that's not likely at all. I think they just kind of they kind of forgot like how this happened and they just decided, oh, you turn into a clown and then you freeze. That's it. Anyways, though, continuing on with this presentation now, let's get into why everybody was gathered here. You have all been brought here to celebrate the bruising of the Aqua Teen's asses. Now that's the reason for the season! <laughs> now, roll call. Prepare to kiss ass! When I say your dumb name, please stand up briefly, but then quickly drop to your knees and forsake all others before me. <laughs> So, yeah, that's Ignignac telling everyone to, you know, for the roll call, they have to bow down to him. And, you know, he's supposed to be the leader here. However, it's it's kind of hard to follow that direction because our very first name is going to be Moth Monster Man. And he's not going to quite follow the directions. And the Moon Knights will, they'll discover that maybe this was not the best way to conduct roll call. Here's a dumb name, Moth Monster Man. Right here. Uh, did someone leave a window open? I think I heard the wind. Boy, you better drop to your knees and do it right. So who am I, who am I doing it to? Is Hang it... on. Who's he doing this to? I mean, because no one told me I didn't get to read the manual. All right, fine. <laughs> f*** it. Yeah, f*** it. Just say here, and let's consider the word here to be short for here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. You do as the scorpions have before you. You do as the scorpions have before you. Now, the scorpions... They are a rock band from Germany formed in 1965. They are most notable for their 1984 song, as we were just talking about, Rock You Like a Hurricane. At least that's what the Moon Knights were talking about, which is a very, 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 very famous and popular song. And 20 years later, Matt Malero and the Aqua Teen guys are still referencing Scorpions in the show because in Plantasm, as Matt mentioned, there is a Scorpions-esque riff that is played when Carl breaks through all the plants to save the Aqua Teens. That is Matt playing. He's doing an homage to Scorpions. And uh, this won't be the last Scorpions reference in the episode, so we'll definitely be talking about them a tiny bit more. But okay, we're going to cut to Romulox now. He's going to answer the roll call in the new correct way. And then we'll see Happy Time Harry, who's just going to throw up. And then there's going to be another set of villains that seemingly they aren't there. 
Romulox. Here I am, rock you like a hurricane. <laughs> Happy time, Harry. <laughs> the Klaus. The trees. Did anyone see a large tree in the bathroom? Oh yeah. They left a message. They're running late. They're catching a ride with Flargan and Dingle. Flargan and what? <laughs> Flargan and what? So all right, let's start at the beginning of that clip. We have Romulox answering correctly. However, in the original script idea, this was done differently because remember Romulox, he's he's adopting this new way of speaking. Let's check it out. Romulox. Here to where as I have been. I didn't realize that syntax had reached this far. How delightfully retro. <laughs> so you have Ignignoc kind of like, wow, that's that's a throwback because, you know, the moon and, and space and everything, they're so advanced over what is going on in, in Europe and whatever Romulox is trying to emulate with his, his syntax. But again, all that stuff was cut from the real episode. And again, I think for a good call. It is kind of fun. You know, it's fun for for super fans of the show to dive into that. But, you know, I think for the episode itself, just not needed whatsoever. From there... Happy time, Harry. He's going to barf, and then Er will yell out, To Klaus! And that is in reference to Klaus Mine, the singer-songwriter from Scorpions. You know, he's uh, he's the lead man, so that's who Er is referencing there. And there's a really weird, kind of funny thing on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, and it is, in the character roll call, Er mentions a villain called the Klaus. No villain answers when he said it, and the Klaus isn't mentioned in any other time in the episode or entire series. This issue has baffled some fans over the years, but in the DVD commentary for the episode, it was revealed to be a simple reference to Scorpions, a rock band. And, like, I already knew that ahead of time. Like, I knew who Klaus was because I grew up kind of listening to this kind of music. So even as a kid, I, I got the Scorpions reference. But what I find funny here is it says, um, and this is just someone writing, so I'm just picking apart nothing here. But it says, for years, like, some fans were baffled over this. Who is Klaus, the villain? But then it says right after that, in the DVD commentary, it's like, well, how could you have been baffled? Just, like, if, if you care enough to be baffled, you probably, ha like, you probably own the DVDs and just fucking listen to the commentary. Like, it's not that big of a mystery. I don't know. I thought that was funny there. It's like, they were baffled for years, but also it was just there on the commentary. You could listen to it at any time. But after that, we get some discussion on like, oh, the trees aren't here. And it's revealed that they were going to catch a ride with the leprechauns because these are, you know, Earth creatures. Right. So it's harder for them to get to space, I suppose. And we're going to we're going to get some uh, footage of these guys. We're going to cut down to Earth. We're in a forest. We're going to see uh, what is supposed to be a spaceship made out of wood and then tied to it are the two main trees from Revenge of the Trees, the ones played by Dave Willis and Matt Malero. And then we have Flargan. And Merle, they are, you know, roped to the rocket ship as well. And then we have Dingle standing off to the side. And this rocket ship is just placed on a pile of dead leaves. So very, very funny. They're trying to figure out how to get into space. Flargan is going to tell Dingle to light it. Dingle will then, you know, light a match and throw it on the pile of leaves, which will just engulf everybody in flames. So the, the leprechauns and the trees, they're about to die here. Although Dingle makes it out safe. He kind of books it away as soon as he lights it. Like he kind of knows what he's doing. I told you this wooden ship ain't going anywhere. Shut up, Merle. Light it. We're late. Feet. Fucking no. Of course, they are all engulfed in the classic Space Ghost Coast to Coast flame that we see all over the show. That's what they go up in. In the script, it seemed more intentional on Dingle's part. The fact that everyone just got burned alive, like there's a mention to him using gas on it too. Like he kind of knew he was going to kill everybody. 
And if you don't remember, Dingle is the one that just says feet, who I believe, according to IMDb, is voiced by Jonathan Lipow, who is a video game voiceover artist. So I assume that those samples are from from some video game. I, me- I mentioned that in the Escape from Leprechopolis episode. And kind of cool, I didn't realize this, that he actually also voices the the robot, the Wrecking Ball part of the character Wrecking Ball in Overwatch, which is kind of cool. Um, but I did reach out to Jonathan at one point trying to get clarification on this. He did not respond to me. And, you know, I've talked to guys who work on the show, but I'm just like, this is so obscure. I don't know if they're going to remember this or if they're going to know this. But by the time, you know, we're done doing this podcast, I don't mean this episode, I mean in in general, I I hope to figure this out if it really is Jonathan Lipow or not, because he is not credited on the episodes, but is added on IMDb. And as we know with IMDb, who knows? (laughs) Who knows if that's correct or not? So in the commentary, Jay Edwards says, at one point it was sworn the leprechauns would never return. There's no explanation on this, but I guess they just weren't really crazy about those characters ultimately. Um, you know, in my opinion, is one of the weakest episodes of the show, especially up till this point. So maybe that's why. Um, and you know, Andy Merrill, he plays Merle the leprechaun then he goes on to play oglethorpe who is a much much more exciting character i think and then we have scott hilly voicing flargan and scott hilly we recently talked about him because he showed up also this night that this episode aired because he was in the cloning as george washington something worth mentioning is in another special feature we can see the concept art for this episode And an idea they toyed with was having the three leprechauns inside of the wooden spaceship that they built. There's little holes cut out of it where you can see their faces. But ultimately, they decided just to to tie the two guys to the spaceship, which I think is a lot funnier. Because if they made it to space, those guys would, you know, they'd die regardless. But all right, that's it for that. The trees and the leprechauns, they're dead now. But Dingle, he got away. I wonder what he's up to. Since those villains are now dead... They cannot show up to the, you know, this meeting here. But let's go back to the meeting and see who is here. We got the frat aliens. Who is the Zonald Edwards? Zonald? What kind of <laughs> name is Zonald? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, such Zonald. <laughs> oh, dude, you gonna take that? Zonald Edward Quigley. Whoa, bros call me Skeeter, dude. Where are the Kaios? I thought this was a mixer. There's one right now, and she's eyeing you like she wants it. So they talk about the Kai O's. I believe that's supposed to be like a, a sorority. And these are, you know, fraternity brothers. And they hint at saying, oh, I thought this was supposed to be a mixer. That was supposed to be their invitation. In the concept art, we can see that we can see a couple of the invitations in, in that concept art. And, and really the only one we haven't actually seen in the episode is one that says Kai O Mixer. And there are martini glasses drawn on it. So that seems to be what their tailored custom invitation was. They thought it was a sorority party here. But you heard Ignignoct mention there's a lady outside. We see a blue alien lady. Uh, She's kind of humanoid in her body, although she has no arms. They're just like these little tiny nubs. And then her, her toes look a little weird. They're really forced into these bright yellow high heels. She's wearing a bright yellow tube skirt and then a bright yellow kind of a short top uh, that, that just barely covers her giant boobs. She's got a bit of uh, an afro, maybe it's kind of purple, big pink lips, and she's got yellow hoop earrings. That's the babe outside. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, the kind of stuff she's interested in, uh, it kills you. 
Somebody be doing some meat slapping tonight. Hey, my dad owns a dealership. Dude, she was eyeing me. <laughs> oh, what? Is it a little cold out there, honey? Ah! Whoa, <laughs> shut down, dude. Uh, Sloppy seconds. <laughs> goes from zero to a hundred really quickly first of all there's like a, a an automatic sliding door on this thing you know they're on the moon you'd think it would be this pressurized chamber or something which like that later on it's hinted that's what it is but here there's just this automatic sliding door it just opens up the frat aliens go out there uh well they go up to this woman who's just standing there and then out of nowhere she like these little these little spikes come out of her boobs like where her nipples would be i guess and then they they poke out they penetrate into dp they pull dp closer to this lady and then her foot comes out of her high heel and then it turns out it's like a saw that's what's sawing him and then she opens her mouth like huge and this this green tongue comes out that has like a hand thing on the end of it grabs him and pulls him into her mouth so he gets killed in like three different ways all at once and then uh you know skeeter he gets the sloppy seconds Back to our roll call now. We're going to call out for Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future. And it'll go exactly how you expect it to go. It's funny every single time. But Ur is going to have a reaction to this. He's going to like the smoke because he's trying to quit smoking. And this will just, you know, incite him to want to keep smoking. And so we get some fun back and forth there. Let's hear how it goes. Cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. Thousands of years ago before Sigourney <laughs> Here, we'll work just fine. Thank you. Here. And no smoking! Give me a smoke! Give me a smoke! Give me a smoke! Stay with the patch. Your blood pressure. You tell another story! Thousands of years ago, I survived the quickening of the dragonoid. Smooth and menthol. Smooth and menthol that is Ur climbing up on cybernetic ghost's leg and then just like wafting it into his into his nose. So this smoke is from a smoke machine, and in the commentary, they say that they filmed it in Barry Mills's office. Now, Barry Mills, he didn't really work directly at Aqua Teen, you know, in, in a notable way, but he is very much involved, and we've talked about him on the show a ton. But all right, if we could go to Cybernet Ghost's voice. Now, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast let me play you really quickly again what he sounded like in that clip. Thousands of years ago before Sigourney... Alright, so pretty clean overall. You know, in the first Cybernetic Ghost appearance, his voice was very muffled, and it was, you know, they got notes after the episode came out that it was hard to hear so much that on the Volume 2 DVD, when that episode finally came out, they pulled back a lot of the effects so you could hear them more. And that's like a similar sound to hear. However, on the script reading, it seems to be in full effect. Let me play you that. Thousands of years ago, so way more affected. And I headed over to HBO Max, and they have the DVD version on there, it seems like. Remember, with the Cybernetic Ghost episode proper... On HBO Max, it's a different version than the the Volume 2 DVD version. It's much more affected on HBO Max. But in this case, it's the exact same. So I don't know if this actually aired with the more affected voice. Uh, I'm really not sure. And then they pulled it back. And for whatever reason, you know, on all these other versions now, it's more affected. I, I don't know. Maybe after the script reading, they decided to pull it back more. Who knows? But I thought that was a fun discrepancy there. But to move to what Cybernetic Ghost is actually saying, initially he says thousands of years ago before Sigourney Weaver. And Sigourney Weaver, she is an actress, uh, most notably in the Alien film. And it looks like, you know, in 2022, she will be in the new Avatar film as well. So very famous actress and definitely somebody that Matt Malero is 
is familiar with. I mean, looking at the script here, all the dialogue written for Cybernetic Ghost just says thousands of years ago, dot, 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 dot. So I guess, you know, Matt would just kind of go off on this. I wish I asked him more about this when we talked, but yeah, I guess he would just kind of go off and maybe make stuff up off the top of his head. I'm sure Dave and and whoever else was recording would be feeding lines to him and stuff, just whatever they thought was funny in the moment. But in this case, it didn't, it didn't seem to be written down. And then later... Er will tell Cybernetic Ghost to tell another story so he can, like, you know, try and inhale the smoke. But moving on to the second Cybernetic Ghost story, he says, Thousands of years ago, I survived the quickening of the Dragonoids to say here. Then he kind of gets cut off. But yeah, he's like, he survived the quickening of the Dragonoids, so he's able to say here now. This story is going on too long, though. The brownie monsters, they are, they're about to get jealous. They're about to get angry. They want to say here as well. They're about to butt in. I know, I know we're getting to you. Just wait your turn. You're coming up on the list. Okay, brownie monsters. <laughs> so that is the brownie monsters. They're very excited to say here. And it's funny because they killed, or it's assumed that they killed Moth Monster Man in, in the Bus of the Undead episode. So it's funny that now they're just here with him, just like not even acknowledging each other, really. Very silly. Real quick to mention the script reading, this actually went on a little bit longer and I think the joke really benefits from them trimming it down a bit. Let me play you the original read on that. I know, I know, we're getting to you. Just wait your turn. You're coming up on the list. Very soon. Okay, brownie monsters. So in the finished episode, he just says K brownie monsters, which I like. It's a little bit more casual than in this longer version. He says, okay, brownie monsters. But yeah, you know, he says, oh, very soon. Like they just drag it out. I don't know. I just think the, the cut down version is a bit funnier. Before we leave this, I just want to say visually, it's so funny because the brownie monsters are freaking out when they want to be called. And then Ignignox like, hold on, I'll call you. I'll call you. And then they just freeze in place. Just like literally the animation just like stops mid frame. They're just like hanging there. And then when they get called again, they just start freaking out again. I don't know. I really love that kind of animation style. So in our next clip, Ignignox is going to call for Emery and Oglethorpe, the Plutonians. We will scan the room and see that they are clearly not there. Emery and Oglethorpe. We're not invited is the end of that sentence. Damn straight! Put a period on that! Plutonians are to suck. Plutonians are to suck. Uh, that's kind of a, a throwback to an old internet kind of meme, I guess. Uh, to suck. That, that's, that's a callback for sure. But you might have noticed the audio got muffled there. That's because while that's being said, we cut outside to the Plutonian ship and we see that, that Emery, he is looking through this long telescope out the window at what's going on down at the convention center. And I, I want to make clear they are driving past like it would be very easy to see the Plutonian ship from inside the center. Maybe the invitation got lost in the mail. Maybe we weren't invited. Improbable! We went to high school together! Did you not see the yearbook? Yeah, I know. You told me all about the bus stop, but look at that. It looks like they're having fun in there. Ignore them! <laughs> we are having fun in an important meeting with our own league! So Oglethorpe will talk about how they're going to start their own league. However, Emery alluded to some bus stop incident, and in the script reading, we get a bit more context to this. Did 
Did you not see the yearbook? Yeah, I know all We about used that. to ride the bus together. He pulled the knife at someone and got suspended, and I took the rap for it and was suspended with him. I don't <laughs> know where I'm going with this yeah, story. Yeah, I know. You told me all about the bus stop. But... So that wasn't in the script. I wonder if Andy Merrill was just making that up because he's like, I don't know where I'm going with this story. But yeah, supposedly Oglethorpe and Ignignox were hanging out, or it could have been Ur, I guess. One of them pulled a knife, the, the the Moon Knight did, and then Oglethorpe, for whatever, he says he took the rap for it, but they both got suspended, so it's like he just needlessly got suspended, but they cut that out. Uh, I like that. I thought it was a fun little story, but, you know, you heard Andy Merrill saying, I don't know where I'm going with this, so that's maybe why they decided not to include it. Back to the official episode, though, Oglethorpe is saying how they're going to form their own league, and then he's going to talk to the Rush chairman, and the Rush chairman is Jigglebilly. He's there with his head still off because he tried to blow it off because Happy Time Harry made him depressed. He is the Rush chairman, and then he'll start jiggling, and Emery, he will run up there and start jiggling with him. Rush chairman, tell us about the new pledge class. Hi, everybody. Come, man, start jiggling. <laughs> I like jiggling. Stop vibrating, Emery! <laughs> He's just trying to control us! <laughs> and, uh, of course, this not being the first time we have seen Jigglebilly since the Dumber Dolls episode. We've seen Meatwad, you know, pull him out of himself before. Uh, I don't know how he got here, but he got here somehow. We're going to cut back inside now where they're going to be calling for MCP pants. They can't, they can't see him anywhere in his spider form. But he is there. He's there. He's a little worm with, of course, a diaper and a shower cap on. He is there. They just couldn't see him. Don't worry about it. Did anyone see an eight-foot spider wearing a diaper in the parking lot yo, anywhere? Yo, I did see yo, that spider, that, that but when I was in this parking yo, lot, it was about 375,000 <laughs> years ago. Never mind. Never, never mind. <laughs> the cybernetic ghost was about to tell another story, but he got cut off really quickly. I want to mention here in the script, whenever MCP Pants is supposed to talk, it says MC Worm. I guess, you know, that that's how they, they wrote him there. Of course, it is MCP Pants. Let's hear what MCP Pants has got to say. He's going to go on for a while in a bit of a monologue for a bit, talking uh, as fast as I do at points on this podcast. Hmm, you look smaller in real life. Yeah, I know, man. I've been through lots of changes. I'm in hell, right? Satan <laughs> says go fish. I'm like, I don't see any cards. And next thing I know, I'm a worm. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, mud. Step directly on that. No, 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 wait, no, wait. I, I got a plan, see? See, we take these monsters, right? We start a haunted house, yeah? Yeah, you feeling me? Yeah, we invite everyone to the haunted house, and they come thinking it's going to be all scary and But in fact, the house is also for sale, because it's a condo. Get it? Like in Hilton Head. And people going to pay big-ass cash money to live there, right? And then we take all that money and buy more psychedelic mushrooms, you feel me? More. Yeah, I already ate a bunch of them, so what do y'all think? I mean, what are we trying to do? Give me a record deal? Because my label keeps on dropping me because I keep on getting killed, but I'm like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. Come on, I need this job, Squash man. Squash him, Ur. I will be back, man. <laughs> so that is Ur finally ending MCP Pants' misery here in worm form. And what's funny to me is that Ur isn't really that much bigger than MCP Pants in worm form, right? They're really not that different in size. I'm like... Would Ur really be able to even kill him by jumping on him? I honestly don't think so, but but uh, it, it does work out in the show, obviously, but it's just funny seeing them side by side. There isn't that much of a discrepancy. Really quickly, a, a visual thing, and thanks to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki for this one, is that 
when MC P-Pants is talking to the to the Moonanites, we mostly see the Moonanites, but then eventually we cut to the crowd of villains, and Happy Time Harry is not there. He's missing. Maybe he ran to look for more booze. We hear MC P-Pants' plan, though, and it's actually the most coherent plan that we will really hear for the rest of the show, uh, for the rest of the episode, at least, because, yeah, the idea is to stage it as a haunted house, invite everybody to the scary haunted house, but then turns out the house is for sale, and he says, like, Hilton Head. And I had to look that up. Hilton Head Island is a town in South Carolina. It's known for its beaches and golf courses. So that seems to be what they're pulling from here, which makes sense because, you know, that's a it's a southern area and the show was written in, in Georgia. So I, I assume Matt or Dave, they had gone there at some point and that's what they were pulling from. Regardless, though, MCP fans, he is dead again. Ignignock didn't like that plan. He's going to tell us the only plan there is. There is only one plan. And it involves this, the screw of damnation. <laughs> I found it behind the armoire. Of despair! I know where y'all live. <laughs> the Aquatine shall suffer deeply, as this is bored within each and every one of their skulls. One screw, goodbye. And everyone understands how this will come about. Remember, there are no dumb questions. Okay, so some visual things I forgot to, to bring up here. So first of all, Ignignock mentions the screw of despair. It's literally just an image of a screw. Nothing menacing at all, but you hear this like dark music. And then it's funny because the like Rabot even looks in a little bit. He kind of he kind of moves looking at this. So that's what the plan is. They're gonna drill that into the Aqua Teen's head. And then Ignignock's gonna kind of goad them into like being like, oh, you know, can you guess what this beautiful plan is? But also you heard MCP pants. He wasn't quite dead yet. He uh, he came back to life and he's like, oh, you know, I know where you guys live or he was still alive rather. And then Ur keeps jumping on him. But then MCP pants, the, the dead worm gets sucked to Ur's foot. So he's trying to take that off for a while, too. So you hear some of that over the clip. But yeah, just really funny here. We got, we got the screw of damnation. And now, yeah, Nick knocked. He's opening up the floor. So if anyone can guess what this plan is and he says there's no dumb questions no stupid questions um yeah right here in the back yes the retard with the dumb question how are you gonna <laughs> get that into their heads are you just gonna say stay still or something no you will say that while major shake utilizes his phillips head death driver my what you better have it what is a death driver i don't know what that is oh god okay does anyone have any money excuse me i have a plan so another visual thing Moth Monster Man asks his question, and then Igni Nye says, no, you will say that. And then he he holds up a post-it note that says, stay still. So the idea that the Moon Knights had really was the Aqua Teens are just going to stand there and let all these guys just just bore this one this one screw into each of their heads. But there's only one screw, so they have to like take turns. So they have to just stand there waiting for the screw to be jammed into their own skull next. <laughs> just it's not really a plan here, right? It's like a kind of a kind of a pipe dream that Ignacht has. The Moon Knights were able to set up this entire event, you know, invite all these villains here just to not even really <laughs> have a plan whatsoever. And poor Major Shake getting blindsided here by the fact that he was supposed to have a death driver or something like that. You know, back in Bad Replicant, he was he was blindsided with this whole, you know, de-terraforming the Earth plan that he was told nothing about. And similar situation here. And this reminds me with Major Shake, it's interesting because the, the Plutonians created him, but they are not here as well. Which, you know, ultimately makes sense because he didn't like the Plutonians whatsoever. He thought they were idiots. So that makes sense to me, but... Speaking of the Plutonians, I really forgot to mention, of course, this, I think, 
was around like this was right before or around the time that they were gonna make space kataz which you know we'll talk about more in our next deep dive because that's really when we'll start to see those but space kataz was gonna be a spin-off of aqua Teen with the plutonians and the moonanites just fighting back and forth against each other and this is kind of the the birth of that in this one because they weren't invited to, to this meeting here so it's kind of the beginning of that and and then you also have the moonanites saying that the plutonians are to suck which really lends into you know what was supposed to be a spinoff that didn't happen. Again, we'll talk more about Space Kataz in our next episode, really, because uh, that's when we start to see those as cold opens rather than the Dr. Weird stuff. But okay, Old Drippy's got a plan here. They need some money. Old Drippy, he's the man with the plan. Don't even worry about it. We then cut to all of these villains. They're on the side of a road back on Earth, and they're cleaning up trash. And uh, you'll hear some interactions. We'll talk about them after the fact. Cans go in one bag, trash in another. And be sure to split up the brown and green glass. There's, There's the, the can, can in front of you. Do it. Pick it up. I have a can that's full. I'll take that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you hear happy time here. He's taking that full beer can. He's he's drinking it. And he's he's happy about it. We see Oog is smoking a cigarette at this point. Not entirely sure why. We see Randy the Astonishing, who again is frozen in clown form, which I love. It's just so, so like they brought him. He can't move by himself. So they brought him with, I guess. And I want to talk about the garbage bags they have because they have garbage bags as they're picking up trash. And these are all the same bag as set that Meatwad had in Super Sirloin when he was collecting food and stuff. I think it's the same bag from that. They just doctored it up to have a recycling image on it. Even though we can see there's like a, a dead raccoon inside and there is, uh, there's you know, steak and eggs and stuff in there. So the villains, they are picking up trash here and Ignignact, we will see him holding a clear glass bottle and he'll have some questions. He has some questions for old Drippy. And we'll use this glass to remove all hair from the planet? What? No, man, we're not. He said save the world. I was there and he said shave the world. No, he said save. He did. Mutiny. <laughs> mutiny. We have a mutiny on our hands. And then Ignignoct, after finding out that bad information, he's going to see something he doesn't quite like. We'll cut to a sign that says this highway adopted by click, 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 click. That's who the highway was adopted by. You know, in the United States, there's like adopt a highway programs where you just kind of like you're responsible for picking up trash. It'll usually be like boy or girl clubs or something that do this or or maybe teams or something like that will do it. And then they'll just pick up the trash. I don't know, you know, how effective those programs are, but I figure if you see them around enough, then they're probably somewhat effective. Maybe that could be my next marketing campaign for this podcast. I can adopt a highway, uh, you know, adopted by dancingisforbidden.com or something like that. Maybe that'll help. But anyways, you could probably guess who, who named them. We will see the brownie monsters making all their clicking and screaming noises. And then at the very end of the clip, it's a very short clip here, at the end of the clip, Major Shake, he will be walking out to the road because he sees a snake and he's, I assume, trying to get away from it. And then he gets hit by a truck. And who named us click, 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 click? Hey, hey, there's a snake over here. Uh... Poor Major Shake getting killed by the DNM transport truck, which we've talked about in the podcast before. My speculation, DNM is for Dave and Matt, but who knows? But yeah, poor Major Shake, he just ran out into the road there killed by a truck, which, of course, if you freeze frame it, there's no one actually driving the truck, which I love. Must be one of those self-driving trucks. I guess I guess Aqua Team predicted the future. But uh, you'll notice Ignignoct, he only said half of the name. He only said click six times, 
when really it's on the board 12 times. I just want to point that one out. From there, we get a fun, quick cut. We are back on the moon outside of the convention center. We see all the brownie monsters, and they have red bandanas kind of tied around their eyes. They're all just standing there, and they have cigarettes in their mouths for some reason. Not really sure, but what's going on here is a firing squad, and there's one of the infamous slow moonanite bullets just inching towards them while they can't see what's going on. I don't know if this is a reference to a specific film, like this setup with the red bandana and the cigarette. I tried looking for it. I couldn't find anything. But that's what we open to, and then Ignignox will be coming back inside, and there will be some chatter from the villains. But before we get to that, because in this official clip, they just instantly come inside, like, it's just implied, you know, that they're about to get killed. However, in the script, the Moon and Knights kind of talked about what they were going to do to the brownie monsters. Ready! Aim! Fire! Take it in the brain like a man! It's better that it's done quickly like this. Yeah, so they don't suffer! Because suffering's for losers and poor people! <laughs> so that's uh, what the Moon Knights were supposed to say. I suppose it's possible that, you know, in the lore of the show they did say this still, we just didn't see it because it cuts to them coming inside. So let's jump into the official clip now. Again, we, we will just see the brownie monsters out there with the bullet, and then we will get Oog talking about being hungry, and then we will see the sun-dried tomatoes from the Broodwitch episode, and, and the disembodied voice will encourage him to eat the tomatoes. However, Romulox, he's going to get jealous. Okay, what have we all learned today? Uh, me hungry. When we break for lunch? Well, if you're hungry, there's some sun-dried tomatoes next to you. They're huge in Europe. Not bad. I mean, they're, they're not the real deal, but... <laughs> he disappeared. It's about damn time. So yeah, Romulox, he just gobbles those bad boys up and, and completely disappears. I want to mention that Oog, when he says he disappear, his mouth does not animate there. But not a ton to say about that clip. I'm glad they can bring in the uh, Broodwitch voice here. Very, very funny just to get Romulox to, to just eat them. And the funny thing is, look, I said I'm a Todd Berry fan. I know my Todd Berry. Todd Berry hates tomatoes. I don't think he would eat these. I guess I don't know his, his stance on sun-dried tomatoes. Because for me, I don't like raw tomatoes by themselves. But a sun-dried tomato, I can deal with it. Maybe he's the same. But the interesting thing is, in the script, you know, this was a 17-second like clip here I just played for you and the script this is much longer so let me play you the script reading of this it goes on just a hell of a lot longer than we heard let's check it out okay what have we all learned today uh me hungry when we break for lunch me too I'm starving the only break you're going to get is the one I give to your silly face across your mouth in 15 minutes that's when our lunch break is <laughs> well if you're hungry there's some sun-dried tomatoes next to you they're good. No, uh, me no wild about tomatoes from Strange Voice, but thank you. Come on, man, you're just a caveman. You don't know any better. Uh, me knows what me likes, and me finds sun-dried tomatoes too trendy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're huge in Europe. Really, they're trendy. I mean, become have they trend-making more to me? <laughs> <laughs> it's about damn time. He disappear. And me no finish what me say. Now, me like early Madonna, me no like late Madonna, but me respect her as artist. Your views on Madonna differ from mine, and you're in my house now. So, much longer, fun to hear, but, you know, I think it's a good call to kind of cut all this stuff. Um, it almost sounds like Todd Berry just, like, does not like this script. Like, he's just the way he's reading it to me, it's like, dang, it seems like he's not even that interested in saying this stuff. But again, it was cut, good call. So, actually, what's interesting is from that deleted clip that wasn't actually in the episode 
And then the, the official clip I played before, they both go into this next segment now where Oog is going to talk about a plan he has. He has a plan for them to be successful here, but Ignignoct, he wants none of it. He's going to throw a bone outside, which of course is out in the vacuum of space, and then Oog will chase it through the <laughs> automatic sliding doors, and then he will just go outside, and for whatever reason, he explodes in like a, like a flame, a big explosion. <laughs> it makes no sense at all. Let's check it out. Okay, look, um, me feels no agenda to meeting and vacuum and leadership position, so <laughs> me has composed 12-point plan for good, happy success. How childish. Look, an animal bone. Bone! Good! So something visual I forgot to mention is when Enignoc throws that bone, it breaks through one of the glass panes, and then Oog chases it out the automatic sliding doors, right? And then that thump you heard at the end, that was the dumbass Ahedratron getting sucked up because it's the vacuum of space. It just kind of like pressurized it to where the, the dumbass Ahedratron got sucked up to that hole in the window. Now, why everything isn't getting sucked out whenever the doors open, you know, who knows? But uh, for some whatever reason, they wanted to play with the physics here. And I think it's, it's kind of funny that uh, the dumbass Ahedratron, he, he has no say in where his body gets pulled to. And speaking of bodies, in this episode, it's quite astounding because we see a lot of characters from the back for the first time because we get back shots of them in the audience. And what prompted me to say that is because we saw Oog from, from the back. And I don't know that we saw him necessarily in Supercomputer from the back, but I know a lot of the other characters we see from the back for the first time, like the brownie monsters, the frat aliens, you know, just all, all these characters. It's kind of, I wonder if they had to draw these again for this episode or if they already had them and just didn't use them in the main episodes. I'm not really sure on that one. Anyways, moving on here, you know, Oog just died. And we are about to very quickly get a shot of the remaining villains because Ignignoc's going to ask if anybody else has any plans. And we'll see who's left. And it's not that many. We have Moth Monster Man, Major Shake, Happy Time Harry, Cybernetic Ghost, and the Rabot. And then we're about to hear Old Drippy. He's going to be coming up on the stage with a plan. But the Moon Knights, they've heard enough of Old Drippy's plans. They're about to form the Quad Glazer or Quad Glacier, depending on who you ask. They're going to turn into this just giant gun. You know, they're going to multiply themselves a bunch of times and form this huge gun pointed at Old Drippy. They will then fire a gigantic bullet that doesn't even really seem to move. And of course, you know, as usual, Ur is on the bottom here, and it's just very funny because when it's just him and Ignignoct, it's like, okay, you can believe it, but this, it's like a gigantic gun that they form, and Ur, you'll hear, he has a lot of trouble supporting them. He's kind of wobbling around the stage, trying to keep them upright, and eventually his legs just kind of break, and he falls on his ass, and he can't use his legs for the rest of the episode. Well, does anyone else have any other plans? Excuse me, I have another plan. Moon and I duplicate, reunite, and annihilate. Lock in! Was this in your plan? I don't think it was! Square the quad laser and you have behold the quad glazer. I it was glacier, man! Yes, the quad glacier. That's what I said. He just heard him fire and it's getting heavy! You with all the great plans. You shall not see the next decade. You shall never know that turtlenecks will come back in a big way. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> Why they call it the glacier? Do you want it done fast, Er? Or do you want it done right? <laughs> I just want it done, damn! My 
So we saw old Drippy. He was just kind of standing there and he, he actually poked the bullet like with his hand. It's just gigantic. It takes up like the whole stage. He touches it with his hand. Like obviously it's, it doesn't seem that dangerous. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Ignacht made a bold claim that in the next decade from 2003 to 2013, that turtlenecks would come back in a big way. Turtlenecks are also known as the polo neck or roll neck in other countries or even skivvy, I guess which is a garment, usually a sweater, with a close-fitting collar that folds over and covers the neck. So you're probably familiar with it. Uh, not sure that it came back in a big way between 2003 and 2013. I mean, I was around during those times. I don't really remember a big surge of turtlenecks, so I don't think that they were right on this one here. Apparently, though, the turtleneck, it stems from, like, the 15th century, and according to Wikipedia, they were originally designed to protect the necks of knights wearing chainmail. So how about that? But okay, back to this giant-ass bullet that, you know, was fired at old Drippy. Ignignacht is going to go and move the podium out of the way, because again, this thing takes up like the whole stage. And old Drippy will just start to leave, but he will be instructed not to. He will be told to stay in his seat, although he is not sitting. Nobody is sitting. Everybody is standing up. So kind of an interesting call there. In fact, if you look at the concept art for this episode, it seems like the idea was for them to be sitting originally. So my guess is that's what Matt and Dave envisioned when they were writing this episode. So that's why he says, stay in your seat, even though Old Drippy, you know, he's on the stage at that point. So it doesn't really make sense. Again, I think they were all supposed to be sitting, but it's just easier to not have them sit since these characters were never modeled sitting, really. They're all just standing up for the most part. So... Uh, it was easier just to keep them standing. And I, I like the visual of them standing. They're just kind of standing around this gymnasium and you get to see them dwindle as more and more of them die. And it's funny because the whole idea of this is to kill the Aqua Teens, but all the Moon Knights are doing is causing the Aqua Teens enemies, you know, for the most part, to be killed. So they're actually kind of helping the Aqua Teens in this episode. Of course, you know, death doesn't mean anything in this show, but but still, you get what I'm saying. But okay, back to our upcoming clip here. Again, they're going to move the podium and then instruct Old Drippy to stay in his seat, even though he's standing on the stage. And then Ignignax and Earth are going to pass out participation trophies. Freaking participation trophies, man. Back in my day, villains had to, uh, they had to do some villainy to get trophies. They didn't just get handed one for free. But these trophies are very fun. They're just these kind of Frankenstein-looking monsters with their arms in the air, and there's a little ghoul face growing out of their side, and it says participant on the bottom. They look pretty legit. I'm actually shocked and surprised that they paid for these. We see five of them, which is exactly convenient, because after Old Drippy's dead, there will be only five villains left uh, besides the Moonanites. So it's almost like they had to kill everybody except for five people to have the appropriate amount of trophies. Actually, never mind, I'm wrong, because I assumed the dumbass Ahedotron was dead because he wasn't saying anything, but obviously he's not, because he does have more lines coming up later in the episode. So never mind, there are six villains still alive. That's not enough trophies, boys. Regardless, there will be some discussion on who actually needs to pass the trophies out. Okay, we're moving the podium over here. You, st you stay in your seat. The rest of you. We're going to pass out trophies now. Er, uh, get the participation trophies. Yeah, right. My legs are broken. Well, I'm not going to get the trophies. I'm the digital ruler. You get a slave to do that. So, Ignignacht here basically saying that Er is his slave, I guess? He says you get a slave to pass the trophies out. And then they're going to ask who wants to be their slave and pass out the trophies. 
But Happy Time Harry, you know, there's some awkward silence. He's going to speak up. He's got things to do. He can't just fuck around with these guys all day. Who would like to join our slavery program? <laughs> Anyone? You'll get college credit. So shoot. What else? What else? What else? What Look, else? are we going to do something here? I'm supposed to get this tattoo done at four. I'm supposed to go hunting yes. with the news. Tattoos. <laughs> we shall all get tattoos of our rad name. So we're going to go into a bit soon about they're trying to pick a name for their group. Of course, you heard the David Cross bit. And actually in the script, they, they didn't record this, I don't think. But in the script on the page, it's actually much different here. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you. So you have Nick Knocked, of course, talking about how Ur should pass out the trophies. Ur says, my legs are broken. Then, you know, we get that awkward silence where Nick Knocked says, well, shoot, what else? What else? What else? And then Happy Time Harry chimes in. He says, look, are we going to do something here? Because I'm supposed to get a tattoo at four. Ignignacht comes in saying, tattoo, yes. Let's all get tattoos with our name. What is our rad name? And then Happy Time Harry says something different. He says, look, let's just slice up their pet and stuff him in their mailbox. Believe me, I did this with my wife. It's what kept us together for another six months. Either way, let's do something. I've got to go check in with my parole officer and I'll have a hard time doing it from the fucking moon. So that's what Happy Time Harry says, like that was the original interaction, but they slimmed it down a bit. So let's jump in. We're going to hear a little bit of, you know, like a, a transmutation of what I read of what David Cross was going to say. And then we'll get into the characters just just throwing some name ideas around. What is our rad name? Oh, 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 I got one. Why don't we call ourselves? Let's get off our asses and do something because my parole officer really loves it when I don't tell him that I spent my one day off dicking around on the moon no we have an idea now and we're not moving until we come up with a rad name <laughs> who's got a rad name giggly orana sonophonic and super super awesome villains forever wait um <laughs> giggly orana namicon bon scott no that sucks banner thomas the evil gang of 11 super awesome villains forever that's mine uh hey. about the midnighters the killing the killing villains you know we're out at night how about Got villains. Nasty Midnighters. <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Typical. Tuesday, Robots. I kind of like that name. It's identifiable. So I, I just I love that session of them just trying to come up with ideas here. And Ur throws out two rock people because, of course, he's played by Matt Malero. We have Bon Scott, the original vocalist for ACDC. And then Banner Thomas, who is the bass player from Molly Hatchet. But I have to wonder if Matt and Dave, they were, you know, pulling on some some session they were involved in where they had to come up with a name or some such thing. And it's just the dumbest shit that people are throwing out like that just would you would never use in a million years. But ultimately, they end up on one of the dumbest names, which is, you know, the rabbit starts going off. Cybernetic Ghost, he likes it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, Ur's right. It is identifiable because, uh, hey, that's something people are familiar with and no one has been ballsy enough until now to name something that. But all right, moving on, we are going to cut now to the Aqua Teen's house. Finally, you know, we saw all this build up this entire time for this moment. It's, it's finally time to destroy the Aqua Teens. And we we just have the five villains before. So, so Old Drippy presumably got killed and then... They seemingly left the dumbass Ahedratron there, just stuck to the wall, because we don't see him here. So it's just Major Shake, Happy Time Harry, Moth Monster Man, 
Cybernetic Ghost and the Rabbot alongside the Moonanites. They will be at the Aqua Teen's house and Ur's legs are still broken. So he's still just sitting there with his legs all fucked up. It's really funny. And they will be goading the Aqua Teens to come out and fight their new group. Aqua Teens, come out and meet your doom. <laughs> For we are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Monday. Tuesday, no, it's just one Tuesday. week. Please stop. <laughs> Throw the screw at him. Yes, launch the screw. <laughs> launch the screw. The screw of damnation, of course. You gotta love the Rabot and the Cybernetic Ghost joining in, and they just want to keep repeating the name. And I want to point out that Ignignox, he didn't have, like, any names, like, ideas for this. He really didn't seem to have many ideas at all for this. He, he wants to be a leader, but he never has, like, ideas. He relies on other people to come up with the ideas for these things. Because, again, with the name thing, everyone else submitted a few names, and he didn't submit anything. But I, I guess at least he he did settle on this one. It's like, look, buddy, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna contribute anything, then you can't complain that much. Before we move on to our next clip, I want to play a deleted clip here that was in the reading, and that is they were talking about launching the screw at the Aqua Teens. Well, Happy Time Harry he had another idea. He starts to douse himself in gasoline, says "Light me on fire," and basically throw him at them. Like that's how he wants to go out. Throw me at him. This. Is how I want to die. Ah. The interesting thing, though, was that the plan in the script was not for them to actually light him on fire, like not actually let him set himself on fire, because Happy Time Harry does show up later in the script. So obviously he couldn't have burned himself alive if he's still if he's still there because he does come back up in the episode. So let's keep moving on with the official episode. We have, you know, this whole villainous gang here ready to destroy the Aqua Teens. Carl from next door, he's going to let them know that they, uh, they're in Honolulu. Yeah, they're in uh, Honolulu. <laughs> oh, shoot, really? Well, when will they be back? What, you looking at me here? <laughs> what do I look like to you? Brother, you look like a fat man in dire need of an ass bruising. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you see them, give them this note. H hang on a sec. So that note is the post-it note from earlier that says, stay still. And a fun visual thing is when Ignignoct moves over to Carl's house to talk to him about the Aqua Teens not being home, he has to pick up Ur and kind of drag him alongside him and then drop him in Carl's yard. I love their commitment to this bit of, of Ur's legs just being broken. But you heard Carl saying, hang on a sec. He's going to kind of like peek inside and then you can clearly hear the Aqua Teens talking to him. And a fun visual thing is, like, while he's, like, leaning inside, Ignignoct will put the post-it note on Carl's leg. Hang on a sec. Don't get your mouth off of me. We, yeah, we moved to Honolulu. Shut up. Hey, you know what? They actually moved to Honolulu. You believe that? <laughs> I just found this out. Oh, well, then give me my note back. <laughs> Ignignoct is just so fucking dumb that he's like, he didn't hear any of this. He's, he just believes it. Oh, well, give me my note back. Like, that, that's his big concern, not that somehow Carl just figured this out. You could clearly hear the Aqua Teens in there, just very funny. Luckily, Happy Time Harry, he's much more intelligent because he heard them, and then he looks through the window, he sees the, some of the Aqua Teens just standing there. So he's going to call this out, and then and then Meatwad is going to roll out into plain view and be like, we're not moving to Honolulu. Shay's going to kick him, and then Frylock will begin to come outside. Hey, did you hear... Ah, oh, jeez, they're in the house! That's impossible. They moved to Honolulu. We moved to no Honolulu! Uh... <laughs> so that's, that's Frylock coming out. I have to cut it off here. Uh, I want to mention that when Frylock is coming through the door, you can see his head, like, clip through the door. Some of his fries just appear on the other side of the door. 
Uh, pretty funny there. But yeah, Frolic's about to come out, and this, you know, they don't have much time left in this episode. He just is about to blast some lasers out of his eyes, which will cause Ignignac to go running away. He's going to run up to the Moon Knight ship and, and, and fly it away with some bullshit excuse, leaving poor Ur there because, remember, his legs don't work, and leaving all the other villains there. He's going to take off as soon as Frylock shows up. Can I help someone? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> I feel safe for parking this in a garage. Pick the mask. Oh, Okay, who's driving me to the mall? <laughs> so that's kind of it. That's like the conclusion to this bit. But the episode's not over yet. We do have one more clip. But yeah, Ignignac, of course, he's just a pussy. He runs away, leaving everyone else there. But luckily, you know, Frylock, he's not malicious or anything like that. Like, he knows the rest of these guys aren't a threat. So he's not just going to kill them for no reason. So they're not actually in danger. Like, ultimately, it's like a pretty anticlimactic ending. But I think it's great. Just, I don't even know how you come up with that. Who's taking me to the mall? Like, that's, that's what Shake's thinking about. It's, oh, there's all these people here. Surely somebody could take me to the mall. So I've got another deleted clip for you here. And this line, it was supposed to end the episode spoken by Meatwad. However, this was not in the script. So it seems like it was an ad lib that they were kind of playing with. They originally intended to use it at the end of the episode, but they decided to cut it. So let's give it a listen. Yeah, I need me a grass skirt. So that's it. Miwad was saying, yeah, I need me a grass skirt because there was all this talk of moving to Honolulu. So that's kind of where that's coming from. I think a good call to, to end it there. Of course, I, again, I should say this doesn't end the episode. We still have one more clip left, but this was supposed to end the Aqua Teen segment and, and really kind of end the episode. But let's jump to our last clip now. We are going to, from, from the Aqua Teens and the villains standing there, we're going to go down to hell, and we will see MCP Pants, still in his worm form, going to talk to Satan, but then the Wisdom Cube is there, or sorry, the Dumbass Ahedotron. I guess there is a distinction of sorts. Seemingly, the Dumbass Ahedotron died uh, at some point while he was stuck to the wall because there's, you know, the, the broken glass. He got vacuumed up, eventually died. Not really sure how that works, but he's dead now. And he's going to be talking with Satan as well. Hey, Satan, my man, what's the show? Yeah, <laughs> shut up and fish. <laughs> <laughs> Satan-like funny box. Satan-like funny box. There was some visual elements to that. We had Satan blasting MCP pants with a flame. And then he does the same thing to the dumbass Ahedratron ending the episode. And we actually go into some custom outro music which, of course, I will be slapping on the end of this episode. So stick around if you'd like to hear that. You know, always a fun time when we get this kind of custom music. And the last thing I want to bring up here, I know I've kind of failed to mention every single voice actor here, but if you've listened to all those podcast episodes about these villains originally, then you'll know who all the voice actors are. We have Satan here who was played by Matt Malero, supposedly, previously, and then by Jim Fortier. Jim Fortier is credited on this episode, so I assume he's playing Satan here. That's my guess. You know, the voice is so modulated and affected, it's hard to really know who it is. But Jim Fortier is... He's uh, listed on this episode. I don't know who else he would have played because he was in Revenge of the Trees, but he played the little shrub lawyer and that character was not in this episode. So I assume it was Jim Fortier doing the voice on Satan here, but hard to tell. But yeah, that's the end of the last one. And before I can give you any of my thoughts on this episode as a whole, you know, we got to jump over, see what discussion was going on really January 1st of 2004 because this aired on the 31st late at night, uh, you know, the first day of 2004, people were coming in with some hot takes about this episode. 
There's two of them I think we should talk about. Of course, these coming from the Anime Superhero Forum, which back in the day was called the Toon Zone Forum. Link to this in the show notes if you want to see all the discussion on this forum. And let's start off with a negative comment. There actually was a guy over there by the name of Nin Nin 69 <laughs> who uh, really did not seem to care for this episode. And a lot of people were giving Nin Nin some shit for it. Uh, let me read you this initial comment. There was a lot of back and forth. I'm just reading you the initial comment here. It went on for quite a while. Uh, some say it's still going on to this day. Who, who really knows? Let me read you Nin Nin's comment from January 1st, 2004. I'm going to go against everyone's opinion here and say that this episode sucked hardcore. That's right. I'll state my reasons below. Okay, now this is Ronnie coming in. Nin Nin, he uh, had five points for us on why this episode sucked. So I'll read a point and then I'll respond to it myself. I figure that'll be an easier and a more fun way to go through this comment. So Nin Nin, first of all, says, point number one, characters that were never Aqua Teen's enemies were there. So for me, the easy explanation for this one is, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care that like old Drippy's there. Like, it's funny to see him there. Like in the episode, it's explained that all of these villains or, or just these characters, uh, they got invitations that they didn't know what it was. They weren't told it was the villain meetup to destroy the Aqua Teens. Everyone got custom invitations that weren't even about killing anybody or doing anything bad really it was just you know moth monster man was going to choose some sweaters old drippy was going to a baby shower the frat aliens were supposed to be going to a kai o mixer you know you know they didn't know what they were there for but you might say oh well why did the moon knights invite say old drippy well maybe they just weren't really familiar like with who old drippy was they just knew he had a run-in with the aqua teens but the Moonanites could suspect Old Drippy would hate the Aqua Teens because they led to him dying. Like, Shake was horrible to Old Drippy. So it wasn't really an unfair assumption that Old Drippy would maybe want to get some vengeance on the Aqua Teens. Of course, Old Drippy is too nice to do that. But I think, you know, there is explanation here as to Nin Nin's complaint. Again, me personally, I don't really give a shit, like, who was there. Uh, we'll get more into that in a little bit. But let's go on to our second point here from Nin Nin. Nin Nin says, Wizard... Love Mummy, and then in quotations, my favorite villain. Uh, the turkeys of Christmas Future and the Mail Order Bride were not there. Carl should have been there too and made things more interesting. All right, so this is Ronnie. My response to that is something I really liked about this episode was every villain we saw there wasn't just a set piece. They all had these interesting moments. They all had these cool interactions. We didn't just see, say, Willie Nelson just stand there and not say anything. That would have been honestly... Uh, kind of a letdown, you know? Like, oh, Willie Nelson's here. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? And then by the end of the episode, he doesn't say anything. I'm glad that they only showed us villains that they actually were able to get the voice actors for and write actual interactions and, and parts for, okay? So I feel like it's kind of ridiculous to expect them to be able to bring every villain back. They, there just wasn't the time for that. I'm sure there was not the budget for that. They brought back a ton of villains and this is just a personal complaint from Nin Nin, you know, and maybe maybe they couldn't get Rita McGrath for Mail Order Bride. You know, the turkeys of Christmas future, uh, maybe like, I mean, they already had the, the cybernetic ghost. It's kind of, kind of the same character, right? The wizard, maybe they couldn't get Todd Hansen to do it. You know, it's like maybe they didn't bring some of these villains back because they knew they wouldn't be able to get the voice actors. This is just, you know, really a personal complaint here because, I mean, a lot of my favorite villains were, were brought back, so I'm not really complaining. So let's move on to Nin Nin's third point. Even though they set up the circumstances for Dr. Weird and Steve in the previous episode, it could have been better if Dr. Weird invited everyone to his lab. 
not to mention the plot development and background story that the creators have been purposely hiding from us for now three seasons. Again, this is considered season three because it's like the third year of Aqua Teen, even though as it's released, this is kind of considered the second season. Um, again, just a personal preference thing. I think it's fun to watch the Moon Knights put it together who are just incredibly incompetent. I feel like if you throw Dr. Weird into this mix, there's just too many big personalities then. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a complaint with this, uh, especially because, you know, I guess I'm kind of privileged in, in 2022. I know that Dr. Weird plays a big part in the 2007 film. So knowing that, I guess I'm not as bothered by it. But again, it's like with Dr. Weird in the mix, this would have just changed everything. I love the episode we got. So this was just, I don't know. Uh, and back to a previous point too, Nin Nin said that Carl should have been there. Uh, there were no humans there, right? I mean, Svetlana being there from Mail Order Bride would have been weird, like, in space. Like, sh wouldn't she... She would have been freaked out by all these creatures. She wouldn't have really tried to work with them. Carl hates all these creatures, so it doesn't really make sense. You know, like, we, we see him interact with them later. I mean, Carl being there could have been fun, but again, it would have just so drastically changed the episode that I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I like what we got, so I wouldn't want to change it, but... Yeah, again, with Dr. Weird and Steve not being there as well, doesn't really bother me. So it's just another personal complaint. On to number four, Nin Nin says, randomly killing characters while we're not watching. Not to mention killing other characters as a filler rather than a real plot purpose. Old Drippy and the Brownie Monsters were understandable. Everything else was random and seemed pointless to me while everyone else got a cheap laugh. I mean, like, for example, with Travis of the Cosmos, he just gets killed by Happy Time Harry because Happy Time Harry... He, uh, he, he's a maniac, right? Like, I don't know. To me, that works. It's just not like it, people were acting outside of how their characters are. Poor Randy the Astonishing. You know, his head's all infected, but then he gets the, the clowning wig on, then he gets frozen and, uh, you know, left on Earth, I assume, while they're picking up trash. I don't know. To me, it's like, ultimately, it's Aqua Teen, right? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't know. Like, I don't know how to address this because what would you really expect from an episode of Aqua Teen? Some, some big dramatic, like, killing moments? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and then the final point from Nin Nin here the Aqua Teen Hunger Force, this is censored. I assume it says fucking out at the end was the final nail in the coffin. They just hit at Carl's house and decided not to have an all out brawl with the remaining members. All Frylock did was scare Ignignock away. Big friggin' deal. So this is Ronnie coming in again. I mean, what would you expect? It, 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 we, we know that Frylock can kill all these guys very easily, except for the rabbit, I suppose. So like, what big brawl would you expect to happen? I think what makes the episode funny is the fact that we get, you know, 10 minutes of buildup just for Ignignoc to run away like a bitch and seeing that all this buildup, like all this preparation they did was for nothing because ultimately they can't do shit to the Aqua scenes. Like, that's funny to me. So just to finish up Nin Nin's comment here, the episode gets a 2.5 out of 5 for me. And the 2.5 is for the fact that I enjoyed it for the random craziness Aqua Teen Hunger Force always does and all the cameos. But it would have got a 5 star if the episode went somewhere. So yeah, I mean, of course, this is all just personal preference. And if Nin Nin didn't like the episode, that's fine. But, you know, what a lot of people came in and said to Nin Nin was like, Buddy, this is Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like, it seems like you're expecting it to be a completely different show. For me personally, the episode was perfect. Like, what else would you expect to happen? Like, the, the villains in the show are supposed to be incompetent, and then the heroes in the show are supposed to be incompetent. It's a show about incompetent people, ultimately, that are just acting in their own self-interest and just kind of, you know, joking around. So to have watched, you know, 41 previous episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force up to this point 
where really nothing happens, and then to expect this one to be some big brawl, some big epic, you know, Avengers movie or whatever, like, I don't know where you would kind of get that from. So that was, you know, a, a, a big negative comment here. And I, I'm glad Ninden wrote this, because normally when people don't like something, they just say, oh, it sucked, I hated it, or I didn't like it. So I appreciate that Ninden, you know, gave us some reasons for why they didn't like it. Uh, but let's let's end on a note from from a comment from somebody who did like it, a positive note here. GMB says, well, hey, I liked it. I have a feeling if the Legion of Doom existed, it'd be run a lot like this. It's hard to imagine a group of lunatics like this ever being able to work in a committee setting, and what do you know? They didn't. I also wish I'd thought of saying, here I am, rock you like a hurricane, in third grade roll call, back when it could have done me some good. The only quibble I have is using cybernetic ghosts of Christmas past from the future again so bloody soon. It doesn't hurt the episode so much, but the first time I saw him, I couldn't help but think, man, he's been in every other new episode lately. But I guess they knew this, because after a third of the way through, he became a non-factor. And didn't die, amazingly enough. Fantastic episode. One of the ATHF's best. A. So uh, GMB here gives it an A. I don't really understand what this cybernetic ghost complaint is about because he himself has only been in one previous episode, the you know the episode of his namesake in season one, and then the Turkatron was yeah like a couple episodes ago. But I don't know where they're getting from the idea that he's been in every other episode lately. It just doesn't make any sense. This is this is including Turkatron, his third time ever showing up on Aquatine. So very strange there, but. Uh, A point I really liked by GMB is like, yeah, you know, a group full of these maniacs would not work out. Like, how would they all work together? It doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly what happens. They really don't work together in any sort of meaningful way. And that's just so true. That's exactly how it is. And I've said this before on the podcast, but Venture Bros gets a lot of credit, deservedly so, of course, but for showing, you know, the, the side of organized villainry about how how bad it is, like how they are all incompetent and such. But Aqua Teen did it first, and Aqua Teen did it a lot of showing how incompetent villains are. And this episode is an example of that. We had just this, again, this whole lead up of them trying to figure out a plan to defeat the Aqua Teens, and ultimately, you know, nothing really happened because they all suck. So I'm kind of going into my thoughts on this one here, you know, just by saying that. Typically, in an episode of Aqua Teen, the villains just come in out of nowhere. And then we have to see the Aqua Teens react to it. So it was fun to get the opposite of that. We got all, you know, buildup of the villains preparing to attack the Aqua Teens just to see it fail. So it was fun that they kind of, you know, turned this thing on its head here and gave us a different perspective. I really like that about this episode. And I think it's cool that this is technically, you know, like Shinsuke said, a Moon Knight episode. And it is. And it's interesting. What's interesting to me is that in season one of the show, Moon Knight's got two episodes, you know, very quickly together. And then this season, they didn't even really get uh, their own standalone episode. They've they've had little cameos here and there. But this is the most we've seen of the Moon Knights over these 24 episodes this season, which is shocking and surprising considering how popular these characters were. And going into season three, there are, you know, two main Moon Knight episodes. So they really, you know, they went from being hot on the Moon Knights to kind of cold to hot again. So to me, it stands out that we had so few Moon Knights this season. But it's cool that we got the Moon Knights in this really interesting way, in this really big way of putting together this giant group of villains to to attack the Aqua Teens and get their vengeance on the Aqua Teens. Beyond that, I did touch on some of my other thoughts. For example, I do like how every single villain we saw 
had some sort of interaction, some sort of moment in the episode. They weren't just there as set pieces. And my complaint about this one is it's so good that I'm upset that they didn't do this more. I would have loved if just every season end, they could have done one of these. Now, I'm sure that would have gotten old. Maybe they could have found new things to do with it, but it would have been so cool to see these villains just meet back up again and, and, and try and plan something. I mean, it's just a bummer that this is the only time we really see something like this in this capacity because it's just so funny. And as Aqua Teen goes on, we keep getting more and more villains and they could have just kept including new villains in the mix with some of the classics returning. So a bit of a bummer there that, you know, we saw just this great thing and then they never really did it again. Although I can't say that I that I blame them because because this was such a hard episode to make. I'm sure I'm sure it was expensive and time consuming to do this one. But yeah, really, having said all that, I think I've got to give this one five screws of damnation out of five. It's just a great episode. I'm sure that anybody could say, oh, I wish they had this villain instead of this villain. Like, whatever. For what it is, I think this is just a great episode. And it's almost frustrating that, like, obviously this isn't a good one to show somebody for the first time because you have to know who these characters are to some extent for this to make any sense. But I wish you could because the writing here, the jokes here are just so solid just the entire time. And all these villains really shine. It doesn't feel like some villain was just, you know half-acidly brought back just to say one line and then get out of there it's like every villain we remember why we loved them in their specific episode so that's where i'm gonna leave you aqua friend if you like this one if you don't like this one let me know i'm on instagram twitter at aqua teen pod there will be posts up corresponding to this episode so of course thank you for listening thank you to the moon masters at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden for supporting the show and a special shout out to my homies the number one in the hood G tier patrons. We got Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, and Reverend Raven 46. You guys can pick up trash on the side of the highway any day of the week. I'll see you in 2023. We're going to be going over our season two retrospective and then kicking off season three of this show. And if you're on the Patreon, well, we'll have a few more things popping up there before the year is over. Take care. Have a great end of your year. I'll see you in the next one. Bye bye. Funny box. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday,